Hello, everybody, and welcome back. A bit about crypto. It must be 5 o'clock EST, 2 p.m. PST, if you're hearing this now, because that's what time Bit About Crypto drops. Every Sunday, new episode. And uh, Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Just preparing for my, uh, my daughter's uh, 12th birthday coming up, my oldest. So. Yeah, you got four under 12. Yeah. That's why you always... It's got, a party. That's why you have that look on your face every time. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that. You know that. You got seven kids, so... You got seven. The, the ones I know of. Right. Right, yeah. Right. So I'm still paying for, like, nine of them. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so uh, another week back in Las Vegas. Yep. Not as hot, but still hot. It's odd. It's odd. You'd think it'd be hotter now, but anyhow... Well, last month was brutal. Yeah. 120. Yeah. I don't know. We, we, we come from San Diego where it's like 75, right? Perfect. Every day. Paradise. Yeah, uh, every best month. Best climate in the world. Yeah, like like literally if so, it gets to like. That's why you pay for the politics. 59 yeah. degrees in December. We, yep. we like, like, oh my God, let's go get survival food. Yeah. It's, that, it's like yeah. that. Climate tax. Yeah. So anyhow, so everybody, welcome to Bit About Crypto and where I'm David James. The Job Whisperer, and as you know, my co-host, Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter, because he's re- relentless, and we recruit in the blockchain space, and we recruit for projects and companies that are crypto, pro-crypto, pro-blockchain, and, uh, <clears throat> and, and things are really blowing up, and thank you, everybody, for all the nice comments that you've made. In addition to that, in the comment section. Okay, David or myself, we don't send any messages saying contact us on Telegram and send us Bitcoin or send us money. Those are all scammers. All right. We have nothing to do with them. So if you send to us saying that we asked you for money, then you qualify for the fool in the money program at the bank. All right. So that's the program you qualify for. And you'll probably lose your crypto anyhow. So with that having been said, um, you know, there's a lot of things as it relates to crypto, and you know, we, we've had a lot of guests on different topics, and the whole conversation about regulation, and you know, I was brought into uh, crypto in, in such a way where um, I was told that, yeah, you know, KYC, know your customer, AML, anti-money laundering, that's the, that's that's a thing that the government did, and they're just trying to track us. And you know, I, I could I could argue both sides of that, actually. Mm-hmm. But a lot. Yeah, if you're not of, doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have any problems. Right? Well, yeah, there's that. But uh, the th- but Ben Franklin said, "Those that acts who will give up privacy for security deserves neither." Right, yeah, and very white you know man. the eleven worst words one could ever hear is, "I am from the government, and I'm here to help." Right, and I for to say that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and AOC knows more about what's best for me. Nah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I don't buy that. Well, I mean, I, I understand that they have they have an ideology and they're entitled to it. And there's there's part of our population that actually um, needs them to represent them. But it's not the population of sound money. I'll tell you that. Right. Right. And so I'm in that population. So basically when people say, so what's your political affiliation? I say sound money, anti-debt yep. right? and, and freedom and equality and protest. And that's why I'm a big advocate of Bitcoin. So anyhow, um, we've got a guest today that actually you found, right? Because I did. Yeah. Cause I did. you, I've, you've got history with him and you've done dirt. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, 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 
Jay and I met. Uh, we were both deployed in Afghanistan. This is, uh, uh, I think, he came in country around June of 2013 to Lash Kargal, uh, the capital of Helmand. And one square mile, one kilometer, I guess, uh, you know, small, small English base and uh, UK base and uh, got to know each other. He's a, from what I recall, he's a hockey player, about 6'4". I think he played goalie. You think I can take him? Uh, definitely. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. If he wasn't looking and I had a stick? Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, with your wrestling takedown moves, maybe. I mean, but then again, he probably pull his shirt or, you uh, know, do that kind of, you know. The guy looks uh, formidable. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and, uh, he came with, uh, he's, he's got a subtlety to him, very quiet guy, but, uh, he can, he, he makes his voice known as well. So, uh, well, let's hope he's not quiet today. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks guys. How's it going? It's going great. Really, really <laughs> good to see you. And thank you so much for, for coming on. So, Hey, before we get started, you cleaned in- up, man. No, no beard. Yeah. Yeah. I had to lose that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I can't look too savage with the fintech uh, people. Yeah. I, I scare, yeah. I scare you, them easily. You no longer want to like uh, just fit into the Mo- Mojahedin crowd anymore, right? I miss those days, actually. I really do. It was a lot simpler. Um, yeah, a lot simpler time. Uh, I love the job, love the work. Uh, Dave met me at a fun time in my life, and those days in Helmand, Afghanistan were actually some of the, the best times of my life. And it sounds messed up to say, but I still keep in touch with a lot of the folks from uh, from NATO and some of the U.S. guys. So it was good. Awesome. So yeah, here's here's how I like to roll about this. So first off, I just want to know about you, right? I'm assuming you're, you're close to Dave's age, right? So you've got probably a little over four decades of experience on the planet, right? So yeah, where yeah. were you born? Where did you grow up? And let's let's take it all the way up through high school and what your life was like. Uh, I was actually born in a small town called York, Nebraska. So my whole family's, uh, they're corn huskers. I'm the smallest one in the family at six foot four, about 240. Uh, I had a cousin that played played for the Huskers. He played for the Patriots. Um, he's the famous one. Um, I am not. <laughs> um, moved around quite a bit as a kid. Spent Why? time. Why? Why'd you move around? Because your dad. Uh, my dad. Yeah, my dad worked for Clorox of all things. So he, he moved us around uh, Kansas City. Uh, then in New Jersey, then to Northern Maryland. And I played a little ice hockey. I was more of a box lacrosse and a field lacrosse player. Yeah, I, I, I can skate. I can I can play. I wasn't a good hockey goalie. So I... I, I can you play defense? Play. Can you skate backwards? Can, do you have... Terribly. No. lacrosse. That's right. It was lacrosse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not a... I'm, I'm a terrible... Well, that's... The backward skate, no. I can cross over. I can do a hockey stop. But the boards <laughs> end up stopping me more than than most. Uh, so anyways, uh, after high school, well, geez, high school in Northern Maryland, a place, small town called Havita Grace. Um, Cal Ripken went to high school in Aberdeen, Maryland, which is down the road. So I really barely graduated high school when I think about it. Uh, mm. High school just wasn't fun for me. Yeah. Um, weren't learning anything, right? No. It just wasn't holding you. No, it, it wasn't cool at all. I, I was bored most of the time. I ended up skip, skipping out a lot of class. I, I did just enough to get by. Okay. Um, so, so yeah. where are you at, at that uh, precipice of your life when everybody's going in a certain direction, high school graduation, or at least a time where, hey, get a job or go to school? Tell me what you were thinking and what influenced you. Um, I was 
chilling in an apartment in Ocean Beach, San Diego with five other dudes that were lifeguards who worked for the Cal State Park Service where I did surfing two times a day, living off a of jack-in-the-box and frozen burritos. And that's, <laughs> Sounds that like was, bliss. It was, it was amazing. Those were the, uh, the pre-Ryan Leaf years of San Diego. Oh, no. um the chargers yeah, yeah yeah drop a few references there yeah um and it was when i worked for the california state park service uh at the tory pine state reserve where i'm like all right well let's what can i do here I wait know, wait wait people. wait wait you're the guy at the parking lot letting people in that's your job no i, I help design and build trails oh okay because when i hear that job because my wife loves going to hike there i'm like you're, oh, yeah. you're that dude <laughs> okay. oh, I'm, I'm the dude that built the trails I, I built a few of the trails in the uh in the extension um and i was i specialize in actually uh, design and development of trails for the handicapped the blind all that stuff so that was was a 97 98 and it was while i was there i'm like well hell, let's uh what, what can i do and i applied to peace corps on a whim and i got in without a college degree somehow wow. they let me in yeah yeah and they mm -hmm. sent me to morocco and that's where i learned arabic <laughs> so I did Peace wait, Corps. I, wait, I, I, I just got to ask this because back sure. when I was a kid, they would have commercials for the Peace Corps mm -hmm. and would, it would always end with this tagline, the hardest job you'll ever love. Oh, yes. Did, did, yeah. did, did, did you ever hear that line? Yeah, I've heard that line. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I know, this is the thing I'm dying to know. Dude, how much did they pay you? <laughs> mm. Zero. Zero. I mean, you, you get a little bit. I mean, and honestly, the experience is what I was going for. I, I, you don't do that for the money. Nobody does that. I, I, told, does it for the money. I yeah. totally yeah, understand yeah. it. I understand. But you wait, you join the Peace Corps and you go to Morocco with zero pay. Yeah. But well, I mean, they give you a stipend, stipend. and when, like, when you get out, they give you something for your time at the end of the day. And I know a lot of people that will, uh, you know, they'll cash in their ticket and just use that ticket, that flight ticket money to just sort of travel around for a few months. So, but the thing is, is I stayed for, I, I did what's called an ET. Hold on, I, stop, I stop, stop. Hold uh, on, a second. go bring it, bring it, bring you it. You go to Morocco. I am now J Peace Corps J. I am yep. here in Morocco. And I've got no regular check coming in. No, I, I, you, you, now you, 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 what, what you is do. it? Is it $10? Is it $1,000? Is it $50 million? What is it? it? It depends on where you live. So if you're in a major city, you get, let's say, I think it's like 500. I was out in the bled in the country. So I got probably a couple hundred bucks uh, a month. And I actually look like a king. And, and so with that money, you've got to find your own housing? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a top... I, I was in a small town called Townnet, uh, about an hour north of Fez, overlooking the Reef Mountains, and I had a, you know, a rooftop apartment overlooking the Reef Mountains and a bunch of olive groves, and it was probably about twenty bucks a month. And twenty-two with the maid, right? Right. Uh, the maids were. I, I took care of the maids because I was I was a slob. So so yeah. so. so <laughs> anyhow, okay. Now now we've got a little context to what we're talking right. about here. And uh, that's 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 fascinating that you did that. Now, did, you <laughs> well, did. I, I had nothing else going for me. I, I just I've always been yeah. a firm believer. And before the movie Yes Man, I'm like, well, let's throw this against the wall and see if it sticks. Uh, worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out. So, so, so okay, so you're in the yeah. Peace Corps and you did that for for a while, and then I you do. come out and you do what? 
I decided to finally go to college. I got into Peace Corps because I grew up working on farms as a kid. I actually knew more about farming and agriculture than most people with a, a master's degree. And I saw that in Peace Corps. Um, I will say while in Peace Corps, they put me with a commune, an orange grove commune where nobody does anything, but everybody expects the rewards of it. Wow. So going as a young idealist, you know, hanging out with a bunch of surfers in San Diego to a commune where I see that nobody wants to do anything, but everybody wants to get something out of it. Wait, are we talking about the Peace Corps members or the indigenous no. people of Morocco? These are the Moroccans. These are, this is the Moroccan system. Um, and that's when I, I, it hit me pretty hard. Uh, the reality of, uh, you know, centralized system, socialism, a lot of stuff like that. Um, and it, it kind of crushed my spirit in a way. And it led to me leaving early. It led to me yeah. leaving and going. See, this is led important. This, yeah. this, 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 what you're talking about here, this is what I wanted to get. And it came out, I didn't lead you to it. You, you, you brought it to me. Oh the, yeah. The central life system or the socialism mm -hmm. system, right? Because really we've got two sets of ideals in America, Right. And really, people have said that there's this war going on between Democrats and Republicans and liberals and conservatives. That's highly inaccurate. That's not what's happening, okay? Because both those entities are corrupt, right? What's happening is there is a war between capitalism and socialism, right? Those are the two ideas. Those are the two ideas. And, and, oh, it— I'm sorry, in every, every form of socialism I've ever heard about, Soviet Union, Venezuela, Cuba, it loses— the people at the top, right? Bernie Sanders gets rich, right? Because, you know, he didn't have a job until he was 40. And he used to steal cable. And he honeymooned in Moscow, right? But he's got three houses now, right? And working for the government. How many houses do you well, have, Jay? Uh, I got, well, the bank has it. But it's a small one in, uh, in Riverside, Jacksonville. But okay. uh, just one. Okay, what about um, you, David? I work hard for it. David, how many houses do you have? One. Yeah, Travis, how many houses do you have? Uh, four. <laughs> I'm joking. It's one. I need to be a producer. He's yeah. doing well. Yeah, right. But we do his bidding, right? <laughs> he, he said you can come and do a podcast, and if you pay for it, he, we, he'll we he take 95% and invest it appropriately. Nice. So, I'll give you a discount on the Airbnb on one of them if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. All right. So, uh, so yeah, so you get disenfranchised because you, you, you see the, the gig for what it really is. I mean, growing up in the farming community, you know, originally from Nebraska and the upper Midwest, you know, you, you, you work. Um, right. I think, I swear to God, my family had me strictly for splitting firewood, opening gates and taking care of large animals. So I, I you know, it, it wasn't the, the easiest childhood, but I'm very, very happy I had it. Um, well, it sounds like a family of large mammals taking care of large mammals, the right. way you describe it. Corn fed folk. That is true. Um, so, so you go to school. You go to mm -hmm. school and just give me the thumbnail. You go to school and you degree in what? So after getting body slammed by socialism, I go to UC San Diego and I study uh, pretty much it's, it's a third world studies degree. So you're studying the third world. But my focus was on uh, economics. And a lot of it was uh, economics in the Middle East. I already spoke Arabic. You know, I was president of the Arabic club at this at these schools. And um, I was fortunate enough to take classes and interact with pretty much Nobel laureate type economists at this school. And I actually crushed four years of school in about three years, uh, got my degree from UC San Diego. And then after that, I ran off to Western Michigan for another, for another degree for okay. a master's in what uh, economic development. Okay. Got it. And so you get your master's degree. 
And what, where does this bring us? Where are we? 2008? About two, 2008 is when I graduated from Western Michigan. Okay. That is correct. All right. So now what? Now, um, a buddy of mine at Western Michigan uh, had served in the program that Mr. Hampton and I served in. And this gentleman sort of pointed me in the direction of this and told me, you know, just, just keep an eye on this. Um, I ended up, you know, I, I put that in the back of my head, the, the human train program. Uh, he was in Iraq. Um, I knew they were operating both Iraq and Afghanistan. And I'm trying to find something else to do with the spare time. So me of all things, I'm with the Taiwan, which makes no sense. But once again, it's one of those things where people are like, hey, check this out. I go out, check it out, and end up staying four years. Yeah, so I, I, I want to talk about that because it's, it seems mm -hmm. to me like I don't. You, you were a consultant in Taiwan, blah, blah. But yeah. what, what really caught my eye is I want to talk about the fact that you were an economist counter-threat finance for the State Department. So I, you did that for a year and a half, and I want to hear about that. Was, that. So that's that's later on. So that's the uh, human terrain program. So after I got out of Taiwan, well, let me first say I, I was in Taiwan for about a year and a half when I got hit by a, a car. Um, yeah, I was riding home on a scooter with my dog on the scooter and a drunk driver plowed into me, shattering my tibia and fibia. Oh. And the, the, this this once again, and this uh, this is going to be rough, but uh centralized medicine their their first instinct was to amputate my leg and thankfully i spoke enough chinese to where i could tell them no wow. just clean it out don't Jesus. don't cut off my leg oh my god um, and i was actually slated to join the human train program a lot sooner but because this happened of course that set me back well over a year um, I had to learn to walk again. Um, I had to be able to pass a PT test, a physical, and just be able to function and not be a burden on the people I'm working with, which makes sense. So, and I did that all in Taiwan under the Taiwanese system uh, with very little help. So okay. um, while I was there, while I'm on my bed uh, recovering, a buddy of mine that worked for the State Department uh, there said, hey, man, apply to this uh, this graduate program, this MBA program at National Taiwan University. I said, sure, what the hell? Um, I applied on a whim. I don't know if he had any pull or whatever, but I got into a pretty good school at National Taiwan University, Taiwan Dashui, for their MBA. And I used that opportunity to study uh, Islamic banking and finance. And I did my thesis on the Islamic banking efficiency. And that actually helped me, I think, when I did finally show up on the front door of the DOD to be there, be an economist in that program. So what was the, the charter of what you did for the DOD? So Dave was there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dave was there. What I liked about it, honestly, is that it's not something where I had to sit in an office. And I know a lot of people do sit in offices and are able to do the work from a computer and take the after action reports and the, the information that troops bring in after operations. And then, you know, we, we sit around and we can take that information and develop other reports. Um, I love that I actually got to go out uh, with some people, different people from different countries, hang out with these people, whether they be um, tribal leaders, small farmers, 
business leaders. Uh, we ran into everything from nonprofit NGO workers, even Taliban, like legit guys that were straight up. Yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. happy. I'm not happy you're here. I, I, and I get that. I completely understand it. And I, I empathize with them. I mean, honestly, if tanks are rolling down my street in North Florida, I'm taking shots at them too. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. I mean, you know, I, we could spend the entire podcast just talking about your, your background. So I'm going to ask you this question that I ask all my guests, but I'm going to ask it now. How, sure. did, how did crypto or Bitcoin find you? Helm in Afghanistan. Um, okay, so we're I here. was, yeah, yeah, I was working with the Palantir guys, and I know you, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Palantir system. Yep, yep. And I remember being in their training. Uh, training room and I, I i got it i got close to those guys and i look over and i see there's a picture of two guys they're holding the the little a little picture and it has the bitcoin logo in it and i'm like what the hell's that and one of the guys chimes in and says oh we ha- we we were the ones that conducted the first bitcoin transaction in afghanistan and that's how i that was my introduction to bitcoin of all things was by the Palantir guys in Helmand, Afghanistan on, I think it was Leatherneck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Camp Leatherneck, which is a Marine base uh, in Helmand. Right. About a five minute uh, Osprey ride from Ostrogal. Those were fun. Those were fun. So, yeah. so, so, so basically that when that happened to you totally under, so the first Bitcoin transaction. So we're talking 2013 Silk Road, Ross Albrook time, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. I, I, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge about it. So for me, it was more about, okay, what is this? How does this operate? How does this work? What's so special about this? Why are these nerds who I can talk to about Dungeons and Dragons and 2600 magazine and all this other random nerdy stuff that I grew up with? Why are these guys into that? So it honestly wasn't until I got back to the US that I really dug into it. Um, And I I got a job with JP Morgan doing counterterrorism um, for JP Morgan. Now, looking- now stop for a second. Oh, yeah, All right, no, let's no, go. No, no, no. We're talking about JP Morgan. This, I remember Jamie Dimon saying that Bitcoin sucks and anybody mm. who works for JP, JP Morgan, if you have, even if you're like a teller and you own any Bitcoin, you're fired. He said that. And now, yep. 180 degrees, JP Morgan actually said, hey, you can invest in our Bitcoin fund. If you actually have five million dollars or more, right? Which tells me they're trying to the the cabal's trying to keep it away from the people that are listening to this show, right? And so I want to know why. I almost want to use a swear word, but I'm not. Why is J.P. Morgan caring about anti-terrorism? Unless, of course, it's just to protect the things that they own. Well, no. I mean, that's that's a standard thing for all banks. I'm I'm. I'm going to actually defend JP Morgan on this. Okay, go ahead. Um, Because when when I showed up, I I showed up right away and started working for their FIU, their financial intel unit. And okay, hold on a second. Tell our audience what that is. What's the so the financial the FIU, the financial intel unit, is kind of the special forces of their anti money laundering department. So we have people that are uh, that has different skill sets, different trainings, different experience. So I was brought in because I know about, you know, Islamic banking and finance. I know about terrorism. I know Halawadar networks. Um, and I, and I was brought in to identify certain risk, identify the risk, do the investigation. And then if there was a suspicious activity, then I would file what's called a SAR. Are you guys familiar with the SAR? Well, from my casino days as a recruiter, uh, there you su- go. suspicious activity report. That is correct. Yeah. 
That is correct. Or in my and, or in my case, when they say, "Hey, what do you want this money from the bank for?" Right? I'll say, yeah. uh, "I'm going to uh, I'm going to throw it off a bridge." Right? <laughs> because it's none of their business. Right? But they got to ask, so I tell. They them. do have to ask, and I, that's uh, and that, uh, once uh, again that, a sex change, and <laughs> right. that that leads to me having to write a SAR because you said that. I'm like, oh man, it's it got, I get it. I do the same thing. Right. I mean, I've walked into banks wearing a fake mustache just to screw with the teller when I was younger, <laughs> and I'm sure that led to a SAR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyhow, okay. So yeah. you, so you, you're Doctor SAR. Go ahead, Doctor. So because of what I did at JP Morgan, I was also interested in fintech and I became interested in crypto while everybody else at JP Morgan thought I was crazy for believing anything to do with crypto. Um, I'm actually that moron now that spent probably hundreds of Bitcoin on pizzas. To oh no. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, stop the show. Yeah. My organs are about to fail. Yeah. There was a website called medics coins for pizza. Um, oh, and I, I, that's the most expensive pepperoni now, looking back on it, wow. man. Now, wait, wait, um, wait. Literally, you bought pizza with Bitcoin? I did, way back in, way back in the day. That, that's true. I, um, I, 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 yeah, I can't even look at you. Anyhow, go on. <laughs> go on. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Trust me, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I, I've recovered. Uh, I'll survive. Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't. Uh, anyhow, well, anyhow go, go, well, go, go, continue on. All right, so... So I, I started being, becoming, branding myself as also the crypto guy because terrorism, I mean, I did everything I could do for the terrorism side. I followed all the SARS. I got pretty good at it pretty fast. Um, so anything crypto related, people started coming to me on. So yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> well, people would, people would panic. People would be like, oh my God, there's a, this programmer in Denver that bought a, a brand new Porsche um, and we don't understand how we, it, it's, it's stuff like that, where they just bring it to me and would understand how crypto works, specifically Bitcoin at the time. And once again, the bank didn't understand where the risk was or where the, the risk touched them. And that's where I played a role. But hold on a second. You said you were going to defend the bank. I, I thought you were going to defend the bank on what I said. That James Oh, no. When it, when it comes to the terrorism stuff, they, they actually do. JP Morgan did a great job, I will say, when it came to their procedures their desktop procedures their, oh i their, see you're talking processes the, the anti-money laundering yeah. the know your customer yeah. stuff okay yeah right. they, they were they were rock solid on that stuff and that's something that I, that made my job a lot easier especially looking back on it now and going to other places and dealing with some of the stuff i've had to deal with so um i do remember uh listening to jamie diamond talk on the news we had screens all around our office um, pretty much talk about how Bitcoin was terrible and not terrible, but just wasn't a fan. And then I'm looking at a Bloomberg terminal, uh, watching what the traders are doing. So, it, you know, it, it's been going on for a while. Yeah, but I, I think he's buying it. I think he's buying it personally. All Possibly. Right. I remember his daughter was a big fan of it. And that's why he said he was interested in it because his daughter was looking at it. Yeah, um, right. it's not going away. And I just got back from the Bitcoin conference in Miami. Yeah, and if anything else that I saw, um, I, I think I, I mentioned this. I haven't mentioned this yet. The uh, there's there's subgroups, there's subcults, there's there's like an Illuminati of Bitcoin. Um, I, I hung <laughs> yeah, out but, with oh, the oh. New York devs of Bitcoin. Hold on a second. And they have their own clan. I, I want to bring you back to something because you know okay. you, you've got a subject matter expertise that I just can't go away. 
Sure. So there's a lot of FUD, right, for our audience. That's fear, mm-hmm. uncertainty, and doubt, right? There's yep. a lot of FUD about Bitcoin specifically, right? And then for the last several months, the, the FUD, they've been trying to crush it. And when I talk they, I'm talking about the man. But anyhow, specifically, they're saying, well, we need to get rid of Bitcoin because uh, terrorists use it. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is cash is more anonymous than Bitcoin because Bitcoin is not anonymous. It is pseudonymous. Now, with the whole taproot thing, which is way above our audience. Right. I I, I think that's going to change a bit. And in a general sense, what taproot means is the, the, the network. But what happens is, is that the network, all the all the people that run nodes in mind, they can actually vote on what changes will and will not be. That's why one centralized society can't say, hey. This is how it's going to be, right? It's going to be this change. And I believe that there's going to be a actual more anonymity than, than they're talking about. So I want from your, your take to talk about, you know, the, this, this, this myth that you can't track Bitcoin, only terrorists are using it, and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So can you sp- I'm, I'm, I know you were all excited about Miami. You got to go and we didn't. So good for you. Shame on us. We'll be there next year. We'll be podcasting there next year. I'll be there. I'll buy you guys drinks. That'll be fun. Um, All right. So I always say this. I've I've had people, I've had to fight this for years. Oh, Bitcoin, only bad guys use it. Um, It's, it's something that drug dealers use. It's this, that, and the other. And you're, you're correct. It's pseudo anonymous. You can still track the activity. In fact, there's a ledger. It's, it's the foundation of Bitcoin. It's, it's what everything is built on is this entire transaction list that goes all the way back to the Genesis block many, many years. Preach, brother, preach. So, and whenever people talk to me about it, I simply point out the dollar is still the best and easiest way to transfer value for drug dealers, terrorism. It's, you know, honestly, most current, most dollars, well, not since they started printing like crazy, but a lot of the currency that you have out there today has traces of various drugs on yeah. it. So it's not so, I mean, I, I can talk for hours about this and we can go into a lot of detail, but there are certain currencies in the world. I think the Singapore dollar is another one because I think they have a $500 note, which is another um, well-trafficked uh, fiat currency. So fiat currency, you know, it serves a purpose. It's still fiat. It transfers value. But when it comes to terrorism and all the bad stuff in the world, people choose fiat. Yeah, that's right. That's a myth. So for those of you who heard it from a friend who or heard it from a bum who, who heard it from an idiot who, saying that Bitcoin is used by only terrorists and drug dealers, they're inaccurate and they're ill-informed. So I, w- I want to talk to you about well, what do you see the future? So what do you see the future of blockchain and crypto as it relates to the job market? Well, so I'm in the AML space, in the KYC space. Anti-money um, laundering, know your anti-money customer. Anti-money laundering, know your customer. So I, I, I work for a startup right now called Arrival Bank. We're a neobank based out of Miami. Uh, we have offices in Puerto Rico, Singapore, Miami, Lithuania. Um, and we're just trying to stand up a, uh, a purely digital bank that is crypto-friendly and friendly for startups. Um and what we're seeing a lot of now is a lot of um, exchanges. So exchanges and swaps um, for different types of crypto. It's not just Bitcoin. Uh, we're seeing probably a hundred different coins that are getting activity now. And 
Um, I don't know if I can call them S coins here or no, not. Yeah, you but, can. Yeah. You can. Okay. So we, the, that, I, I that's the, the one. That's the one. One word we're allowed to use as it relates to that coin. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. There, there, there's there's a lot of shit coins out there. Um, so honestly, we're at the early stage of the internet boom uh, a couple of decades ago, I believe. And honestly, I I only see about maybe 15 to 20 percent of the coins we have out there now surviving beyond the next five to 10 years. I, I think it's only going to be five, but that's for a different podcast, right? Oh, I'm interested to know those five. Yeah, so am I, right? <laughs> but I, 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 I know one of them for sure is Bitcoin. I know. I agree. I, yeah, Bitcoin's the largest financial network in the history of the world. But anyhow, it's it's interesting. So, yeah, that that, that so Peter Schiff, right? I think Peter mm-hmm. Schiff is really a smart guy. I listen to Peter Schiff. He's just he's just got it wrong on one thing. He says that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that so does the dollar has no intrinsic value, right? And that's exactly what I go to. Right. I do the same thing. The dollar pull, has no pull, intrinsic. Right. Pull the dollar out of your pocket. And, let's back it no, up. No, no, pull a dollar out of your pocket and a hundred dollars out of your pocket. Here, here, I'll throw this yeah. at the screen at you. Are you ready? I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna throw it because it, it's, it's really worth the thing. Yeah, you want to catch it. That's right. right. <laughs> and, and, and buy Bitcoin with it. Right. That's exactly, so, and that's the point. But that's what's happening. People are investing in Dogecoin over the U.S. dollar. They're taking their dollars and go to Dogecoin. That tells you something, man. Well, we're we're gonna get to that. We're gonna we're, okay. we're, gonna, we're gonna get right to that. <clears throat> so, but the 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 thing about um, use cases, right? So if you go back and look, like 2014, all the coins that that were there, or even 2017. Right when all the initial coin offerings or ICOs, ICOs came out, yeah. literally ninety percent of those coins are either gone or they're mm. they're at zero, right? And so so this actually happens. And so and what's happening? Things are happening so fast. We don't know what the adoption is. I remember that it, I think it was the early '90s, where Toshiba and Sony we, they were at this 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 technical war for what was going to be the vehicle on which people watch movies. Was it going to be the CD or was yeah. it going to be the big LP size? It was like a pizza size. There was laser disc. Laser disc. I remember those. Laser right. Disc, yeah. 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 And so there was this big war for which one was going to win out. I'm a billion, billion dollar war. And it's the CDs and the, the DVDs went out. Yeah. Went out right. And, and smaller, so, more so we're, we're talking about a, a bilateral war over a technology adoption, ideology, thought leadership. But here with cryptocurrencies and coins, we've got coins that are finance. We've got co- coins that are proof of proof of stake that yep. are use cases. And then we've got c- coins that are just absolute unadulterated, just shit with with no use case like Dogecoin. There's the unlimited supply. You can buy as many as you want. And, you know, I got a gal who works for me in the Philippines. Right. And she says her sister just bought Dogecoin. Why? Mm. Because she heard her brother bought it. Right. And it's just I I I. It's, it's like the end of a Claymore mind. It's going to end so bad. But anyhow, I, I want you to speak. I want you to speak on use cases and, you know, what you look for in, in, in uh, cryptocurrency. Remember, we're trying to educate our audience about crypto. This is the part of the show where you enlighten even me. Well, so for me, the use case I'm looking for is a few things. So Bitcoin and Litecoin to a lesser extent are the two that I keep an eye on the most. And I just want them to hold value. That's, that's their role. That's, it's, it's a medium of exchange. It's, it's, it's a currency. Um, it, it has all the standard hallmarks of a currency and 
people that say it has no value, I can talk about, you know, the algorithm, the code, the math, math, math behind it, the power behind it, the, the, the energy usage, and, you know, it's not that high. People say it is, that's a whole other thing. But then there are other coins out there that are more or less um, dApps. Um, I, you know, Ethereum, Ether, uh, Cardano, Polka, Polkadot. Yeah, so, so dot. give them the so, acronym for dApp, please. Uh, for, uh, for ether it's ETH for, uh, no, 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 for DAP. Oh, oh, uh, no, for a decentralized application is the, is the term I'm using is the reference. So, um, these are, uh, systems that you can pretty much build on and like Ethereum, you can, you know, we have, just for our audience, you're on, you're on a great topic here. He's talking about decentralized systems, blockchains, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody cannot turn off. Uh, the blockchain unless they removed all the internet from the entire planet at the same time good luck with that right right <clears throat> and so the cent- so people have said well the central digital uh, the central bank digital currency well that's a cryptocurrency right but remember one person or persons can decide how much you get and somebody else and they can remove it all from you right remember that i want i want you people to think about when you're hearing all these things because i know that hearing about cryptocurrency it's a bunch of noise right now and that's why i'm bringing sure. on guests like jay right to explain that and i know people sometimes feel like when i bring on a high level guest of intelligence and experience like jay that you might be getting a drink of water out of a fire hose right but this this is why i want to break yeah. down these concepts so i i i'm sorry to jump in i mean i oh, i could no. talk 3 hours with you we could, we could do a five part series on all the things the knowledge that you know um, way to way to go, David, bringing him on. Yeah, but you know, continue don't, on. Don't act so surprised. Oh, all, all those. Yeah. I'm, 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 Dave knows I can. I'm not the easiest to live with. He had to deal with me in the hot heat and helm in Afghanistan. Uh, we, were shot at. Well, we were all irritable I, I, in that heat, man. We were so irritable, man. It was rough. Uh, he's got a guy <laughs> like that now that he deals with. So anyhow. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but, um, all quirky. But we're but we're talking about use cases. Like when you say yeah. uh, proof of stake, most of my my users aren't going to understand that at, at this elevation right now. All right, that's just they want. I, what I want to explain the difference between Dogecoin, right, Cardano, and Bitcoin, right? If you could like just separate those. What's the difference oh, okay. in those three coins, yeah. right? So Dogecoin was set up as a joke. Um, honestly, I'm I'm probably going to set up a few meme coins myself just for. Shits and giggles. Right. Um, and honestly, if it goes anything above a penny, I, I make out like a king. Um, and it, there's no cap on it, no market cap. I can print as, mu- as much as I want, however I want, when I want. That's that's how meme coins work. That's how Dogecoin works. Uh, Bitcoin has a set cap at 21 million. Um, it's not going any higher than that. Um, I know for a fact they've pro- – well, I don't know for a fact. I know they've lost – People, if you lose the coin, it's gone. So you got to factor that into the uh, deflationary value of it. And it is deflationary. We know that the value is going up because you have a limited set of coins and people lose coins. Um, and it's not going anywhere else. And then you have like Cardano or Ethereum. And people say Cardano is the Ethereum killer, but you can still have two or three of these different uh, platforms and survive together. You know, you can have um, Apple and Microsoft. Yeah. Live- one is not going to kill the other. You can have various ones that survive, and these are the the, the decentralized platforms. Hold on a second. While, while you're on this, do you think that Ethereum will ever solve the problem of the gas fees being exorbitant? That's TBD. Um, like I said, I just came back from the Bitcoin conference where it's seriously Sunni Shia 
Yeah, 100%. Like it's, yeah, it's like I, if you mention Ethereum, like you get dagger eyes well, from me, even, even a small child. Let me tell you something. Bitcoin, some Bitcoin maximalists won't even come on my show because of the word crypto in it. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. what I've encountered. And, so and, I, I, and it's stupid. Yeah. It's like, what, your intellect can't withstand challenge, right? Um, no, I'm not just, yours, theirs. But yeah, I, I know, I get it. I, I hung out with some of those people, and I got to be introduced to the beefsteak group. Um, the carnivores. Those, yes, yes, yes. That was interesting. They, they they flex on other people by wearing pink hats that say beefsteak. Hey, man, <laughs> more power to them. It's cool. But you, you see these guys walking around with these beefsteak hats and there are other people who are just, you know, there's like this sense of awe when it comes to these guys that wear these pink beefsteak hats. And then there's the um, the Bitcoin uh, podcasters that are just these Bitcoin maximalists and they have their own hats. Oh, you're so talking, like- you're, you're talking about like uh, Matt O'Dell and Marty Bent, right? And rabbit hole recap, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my, yeah. yeah. And Robert Breedlove. And, and you know, more power Fish. to them. Yeah. More power to them. I, I, I love the enthusiasm. I love the, the excitement over it. And I think they are helping push Bitcoin forward. But uh, there, there needs to be an understanding that there can be more than one. This doesn't have to be a zero sum game. Actually, no, that not according to them, right? Because that, that's a problem. I mean, for for their use, yeah. It, well, you know what it is. It's it's the same thing as my parents' parents telling them rock and roll is bad, right? It's it's the yeah. it's the same thing. That's not music. It's like how can you say that's not music? Right? And that's the exact way I felt about rap. It's like, how, that's the, look at the spew, the hatred they're spewing. You know, Steely Dan. Now that's rock. You know, it's, it's, it's the same limited consciousness, right? So, but it, you know, I, want, I want to come back to that. Okay, so we've got Bitcoin and we've got use cases. I, it, I, I don't want to confuse. I, I want to say this because, you know, I'm, I'm going to run out of time with you and I, I don't want to. So you talked about, I asked you, and this is my fault because I, I got so enthusiastic by, you know, you being our guest today. I, I jumped around. I want to talk about when I asked you how you see blockchain and Bitcoin and blockchain and Bitcoin and crypto changing the workforce. And you said, well, I work for a small you know, yeah. startup bank that's very crypto friendly in these cities. And I, I mean, but, you know, you've got you've got a profound uh, data set of awareness in this space. Where else do you see jobs coming? Because the, well. Let, let me let me jump in here. So when I worked at some larger financial institutions, so I've I've been with J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, and MUFG, and I see these firms as large battleship carrier groups, like just large groups in the ocean. It takes forever for them to change direction, um, and a lot of the systems and platforms they're using are based on older. Like I'm not going to say names here, but I worked at a firm where they use DOS-based systems still. Still, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a pain to upgrade. It's a pain. It it would cost so much money to move forward with, uh, with moving away from actually some of the nuke Nebraska's the air force, some of the nukes, the officers down in the nukes, they actually are still using DOS IBM computers with DOS. I'm sure sure they're using floppies like those old systems. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But for a financial firm, if you want to be up to speed and, you know, ahead of the head of the game, you, you're going to have to keep up with the technology and the interest. So after working at a few places, I realized that things are going to change. 
and these larger firms aren't able to adapt quickly enough to handle these changes that are coming. And we're seeing this in fintech, everything from, you know, Acorns, uh, Betterment, Robinhood. Um, and then you factor in crypto and real-time payments, um, just payments that uh, clear right away. Um, a, a whole bunch of new technology that is coming up on the world. And a lot of these firms are either too scared, they talk trash about it because they can't handle it or they're scared of it. And then you have younger firms like the one that I'm working I'm, I'm the oldest guy where I work now. I'm 44 and I'm working with guys that are in their 20s. And I'm the grumpy old guy that tells the kids to get off their lawn because, you know, Uncle no, no, Sam. Get will, off my lawn, not get off their lawn, get off my lawn. Yeah, get off my Well, I'm the dude that's like, listen. They, they, they want to change the world. They want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's sweet. But Uncle Sam will send you to prison. So you still have to abide by certain rules. You still have to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm still flexible enough. And I'm, I'm able to take the regulatory knowledge and the, um, yeah, let's, let's say regulatory knowledge that I have. And then they have the technical toolkit to make a lot of this stuff happen with a quickness. And that's something I never experienced at a lot of these other firms. Now, when I look at something like Bitcoin, um, a lot of firms are still scared of it because there's really not a lot of rails around it when it comes right. to regulatory guidance. And that's, I'm, I'm fearful about when that comes, what it's going to entail. We have a few people that are pushing forward in this space um, that are, you know, moving forward, whether it be uh, certain banks, certain institutions, uh, smaller startups. But I, I, my biggest fear is that government, as we know, uh, when government tries to get involved and help, it doesn't always turn out for the best. Well, since you brought, since you brought us there, let's talk mm -hmm. about the government. Right? Before we talk about the government, let's talk about jobs, all right? So we, this is, we need a word from our sponsor, which is us. All right, so um, I have a position, okay, with a big exchange, worldwide exchange, that needs a uh, director of policy and communications. Oh, that sounds fancy. Yeah. What, what does that even mean? Well, <laughs> there, there, there are certain policies that the exchange have, and they communicate it to everybody, and they, they uh, um, embrace and encourage the thought leadership. Okay. Right? Hey, this is how it's going to be, and this is, why, this is why we hold your ACH for five days, da 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 et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Right, I've got an influencer marketing manager, and you know, okay. would be, Camilla would be good yeah, for that I, job. I saw that. Yeah, yeah we're going to recruit her from yeah. Swan, right? Because uh, what Swan? What have you done for me lately, right? Uh, or ever? Anyhow, are you listening, Swan? Do you want you want us as a client? Because well, there are two kinds of companies we work for. What kind are they, David? The kinds that we put people in, and the kinds that we take people out. Right, delicious. All right, mm -hmm. and so also I've got to search for an investment advisor, cryptocurrency, and so this is great. If you've like got a Series Six, or you're an investment advisor, or you've got a, a, a an iteration in your life where you sold stocks, bonds, or insurance, and you want to sell in the cryptocurrency space, then you need to give me a call. All right, and also I, I have a, a head of product for crypto, which is uh, also at a big exchange. All right. And uh, I don't have any good candidates. I need some candidates. Uh, oh, yeah? I, I, well, I have a crypto trader, but he's gone dark on me. Oh, yeah. Okay. I may have someone for that, actually. Uh, I, I got a crypto accountant position that you might be able to feel better than I can since you lived in that world before. Yeah, right? okay. <clears throat> uh, blockchain. I got a couple blockchain developer roles. Yeah, well, we we always have those. Yeah, those I mean, are those are diamond dozen, yeah, really. But the, the blockchain developer roles, full stack developers, no developers. That's the same thing as like catching a mackerel in the ocean. You don't want I mean, a bonita. Yeah, but the key thing is is that those those roles are transferred from other industries. You know? I, I understand. 
So, I understand. I mean, that's, you yeah, know, if you can program Python something, call us. Yeah. And, 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 and while we're, you got anything else? No. 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 And how do you get a hold of me? Right? I, I mean, let's try Twitter. You millennials, come on. I'm the BTC recruiter. I'm, I, I, I got my social all wrong. Sorry, Travis. Right? I'm David James, the job whisperer. And yeah, that's right. And, and for those of you who are listening on uh, iTunes or Apple or Spotify, uh, I'm at, on Twitter, at the BTC Recruiter. That's all you need to know, the BTC Recruiter. Or you can email me at David J, that's David with the J, like James, at blockchainrecruiters.net, net, 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 not com. All right? And yeah, if you can call me, I'm, if you call and I can available, I'll pick it up, 831-222-5445. <laughs> all right, back to our regular scheduled program, J. So the government, we were talking about the government. Um, and I want to talk specifically as it relates to the recent uh, the thing in uh, El, El Salvador where they took uh, – and so a lot of people are saying, yay, this is really, really great. This is a great thing. And when to go. And one of the things I said was it wasn't so great for El Salvador per se as it's great for the adoption because all the people that are sending remittances home now need to make awareness. Man, I had another guest – who shared with us, it's like, you know, the, the, the IMF and the USA are not going to take this thing down. And, and what happened is three months yeah. before they bombed Saddam, he actually went from, from petrodollars to euros. And I mean, whether we debate that or not is true. What do you think is going to happen in El Salvador? Are they going to try and smash them? Oh, Dave, I think we may be bringing freedom to a Central American country in the near future if this is kind of successful. So, uh, no, no, yeah. Go, deep, I, I, go deeper. Go, um, go deeper. I don't want to go too deep into this because I'm 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 hopeful. I'm very hopeful. I'm skeptical. I understand why El Salvador did it. The announcement was made at the Bitcoin conference, right? Uh, on the stage. Wait, wait. Were you there when I Jack? Were you you were there when Jack Mueller was giving that speech live? Yep. Did you cry? Yep. No. <laughs> I don't cry. <laughs> I'm not one of those. Nah, I, I don't cry at a lot of things. Sorry, guys. <laughs> what, 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 what kind of animal are you? Yeah, Dave knows. Ham, Hampton Hold on knows a second. Hold yeah. on. Hampton, what kind of animal is he? I mean, I cried. Jay is a beast. <laughs> he, he's the kind of animal where it's like he you don't even, you look at him beast. and you just don't know where to punch him. That kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, man. All right. Well, I cried. My, my, my battle cry was not in the face right. in Afghanistan. I will say that. I cried. I mean, I wasn't like sobbing crying, but you know, I got a little misty eyed when, when Jack Mahler was talking about the hope and what it brings to the marginalized people. I mean, I did. Of but, but then but again, I, 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 I'm a fanatic about empowering people. That's why I became a recruiter. And that's why when I first saw Bitcoin, I said, this is going to change the world in a good, good way because it's going to bring fairness. So anyhow. It, there's a lot of things to unpack in this. Um, so I got my mom into Bitcoin, my elderly mother. I got her into Bitcoin about four years ago. I got my dad into it uh, before he passed away four years ago, too. Um, and my mom, she thinks it's interesting. She loves it. But it's still a bit burdensome for her to yeah. utilize. So when it comes to dealing with remittances and sending it across border, I do think there needs to be some upgrades uh, with ease of use and access. Also, we need to be aware of what is called OPSEC, operation security, and just making sure that people protect their private keys, people protect what they have and what is theirs, and that it's not easily stolen. Um, we can talk about the recent pipeline hack and how Uncle Sam 
supposedly got that. No, 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 those no, 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 I'm, I'm calling BS on this. Okay. The FBI, oh, let's talk. Yeah. The FBI literally said we hacked Bitcoin. They said that and they did not hack Bitcoin. They did not. Okay. What they did, mm-hmm. the, the, the idiots that were in charge of the security were using the word password one, two, three as their password. Hey, remind me to change all my passcodes, especially anything that's important to passcode one, two, three, right? Because no, it's hacker like will... space balls, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's the worst suitcase luggage password ever. Yeah. So, so anyhow, and what happened was, is the, the hack. And so it really wasn't that sophisticated of an no, operation, right? Well, and, and, and the guys that did this, they actually, they, they routed some uh, through a, some type of exchange, which was on an Amazon web server, which was U.S. based, which was subpoenaable, right? Yes. So what they did is they got a subpoena and they they rerouted it from an exchange that they didn't possess. If they had demanded, and listen, everybody, if if I was a hacker, I would demand that they send it to this wallet address, which is a hard wallet, right, or which is like a, a crypto kite, right, or, right, something like that that's mm-hmm. unhackable then the, the FBI wouldn't have been able to do that. But what the FBI did is they knew they were going to get this money and they wanted to put the kibosh on Bitcoin and they held this press, press conference for the sole purpose of putting out fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Now, that's true. tell me where I'm wrong. No, that's that's very true. I think it's a little, little bit more sophisticated than that. Okay, then school um, brother. No, 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 no. I, 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 these, these are, so where I work now, um, I, I work with Elliptic. Uh, Elliptic is a blockchain assessment tool, and I know they're investigators, and they're doing investigations and trying to track activity through various blockchains. I think they use 100 different coins that they can uh, that they can track through. And I know the other their competition is called Chain Analysis, and these are two tools that firms are now using, um, especially if you're a fintech that deals with Bitcoin. No, uh, Brian Armstrong uh, opened the keys to the kingdom at Coinbase to Chain Analysis for the CIA and the IRS, right? But anyhow, we're going. We're coming to the end of the hour, so so make your point, and I'll try and shut up. Uh, no, no. So th- when it comes to understanding how funds move and how things can be wrapped up or taken back, um, I will say both of these systems, uh, Elliptic and Coinbase, have become quite proficient at pointing out where the weaknesses are and giving it not giving that information over. But I think they're contracted out to various government entities that assist in this process. Right. Right. Hey, so Jay, uh, it, we're summer, June, uh, July, twenty twenty one. A year from now, what's the Bitcoin price going to be? It won't be zero. That's one thing I am sure. Hundred percent, Daddy O. Um, and like I said, I I just I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to jinx it. Um, we'll we'll see. I I have hope. If it gets over a hundred, I'll be happy. Um, but I'm, you know, you got to hold for the long haul, man. I, I don't want spikes because then you have more drastic drops. And yeah. I've, I've, I've held through everything. Nothing yeah. scares me anymore. I, I, I had a really wonderful guest on recently, and he actually said, he said he doesn't care. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is because it's still Bitcoin and it's going to be that thing, right? So well, it goes up and down. And I say, touche. Real fast, to go back to El Salvador, it's going to take more than just one country to, to play a role in this. And already the, the, you see the pushback from different firms. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take a lot of community um, activism, a lot of community assistance to help in this process. El Salvador is one. 
and it's going to take a lot more. So let's just hope we get a mass groundswell. Yeah, but but this, but I, I'm going to end with this. This this literally happened. I, I I've been speaking to my friend. We speak constantly because I I don't have any people to speak to Bitcoin about, and my family's sick of hearing about it. Right. So I speak to him on the phone and I've said that, well, what if the United States outlaws it or what if they windfall tax it? They could. They could. It wouldn't work, but they could. Could Right. Just like human trafficking and cocaine trafficking. That's against the law. And look how well they did with that. Yeah. Prohibition worked well. Yeah. Did so well with marijuana. They had to legalize it. Right. I mean, so. So. But what I'm saying to you is, is that I said there's going to be some dictator in Africa who's going to say Bitcoin people welcome. And wouldn't you know. All the advances in technology and medicine are going to be in this dictator country because money goes where it's treated best. And for three Bitcoin, you can actually become a permanent resident of – you want to say something. Go ahead. I, I, I will argue that that would not happen because the Bitcoin community – and as I mentioned, those beef eaters, the carnivores, the, the hardcore people, they're hardcore Mises, Austrian economists who are against that. And I'm, I am an Austrian uh, – uh, Are against what? Or against authoritarian centralized systems taking advantage of this. I, I, but what I was saying is, is the prophecies come true in El, in, uh, El Salvador. The prophecies, oh, I hope so. Well, the prophecies come true. There was one guy, right? What, and I don't know the politics one way or another. I know that he actually really usurped the presidency, and he took he took the military into the Congress to pass pass a law, and he fired a whole bunch of judges. Now that could be either we're rooting out corruption or we're bringing in a new corruption. I don't know where that is, but what I'm saying is he's done that thing, and the libertarian Austrian economist Bitcoin. Hodler maximalists are all for it. This has happened. So, but I, I understand. Time I, I, yeah, time will tell. Anyhow, Jay, thank you so much. Is, is it pronounced Hochstein? Uh, Hochstein. Hochstein. All right, say that five times fast. Not you, Jay. You had practice. Anyhow, <laughs> Jay, Jay uh, thank you, thank you very, very much. And also, this this, this was a great episode. And I mean, I'm, we're definitely going to bring you back, you know, as things develop and you're going to be our subject matter expert. And we'll just go into one thing and we'll keep it in the box. But yeah, you've got a cool. wealth of knowledge. Thanks. Thank you for, for your time. Remember, uh, blockchain recruiters and the, the bit about crypto podcast, you know, this, this is our way of bringing awareness. We want to bring awareness to cryptocurrencies, blockchain programs, Bitcoin, and what the impacts are and the whys behind the whys. Dave Hampton, anything you want to say to the lovely people that are supporting us by listening? Uh, sounds like it's a prudent decision to uh, get some Bitcoin. Yes, indeed. I think that's a good idea, too. So I'm just going to say to everybody, hey, if you really want to support the channel, please, please uh, subscribe. Please write a comment, hopefully a nice one. You haters out there, you can write one, too. And uh, till next time. Till next time. Get whispered. whisper.